0: Welcome to Psychos and Sociopaths. Today we're going to talk about Richard Francis uh, Cottingham, and his nicknames are the Torso Killer, uh, New York Jack the Ripper, uh, the Butcher of Times Square, and he was just an all-around sick person. Yeah. He he, uh, was... He was... He was
1: into uh, some shit. He...
0: What was it? Well, not as much as Alan Finch, but well, I'm not even going to do him because that guy was really sick. Uh, n- this is a uh, more of a what do you call him? Uh, sadist.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was he he, he definitely liked to. Um, from what I was able to find, he, he definitely liked to inflict
0: pain. Yeah, you know, while the victims were still alive. So, yeah. uh, he from. Uh, now, on this part right here, I'm kind of, like, conflicted on the number of victims because i got one side that says six, I've got one side that says nine, but overall he even claims that he had, like, 85 to 100 people that he have actually killed.
1: Well, I know that when a lot of the source material was written, there was nine confirmed, yeah. and then the FBI thinks that there's anywhere up to including 100, um, and then that number got beefed up a little bit, or boosted a little bit um, once we get to that material about um, uh, Dita Ghazari's daughter yeah. uh, befriending him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he definitely, you know, he had I – mean, he was pretty active. Um, that first year, uh, I think he was more kind of like dipping his toes in the water. Uh, and then that, uh, you know, that uh, five-year period or four, three-year period from 77 to 80, you know, it was when – he really got into the swing of things and and ultimately got caught. But
0: yeah, uh, the first person that he actually killed and murdered and raped, uh, she was just coming back from a bingo tournament.
1: Yeah, Nancy Vogel. Yeah.
0: yeah. And then you have uh, the the really one that was documented.
1: Uh, yeah, that was a uh, Marianne Carr.
0: No, it was it was the uh
1: the Kuwaiti uh Well yeah, the the Kuwaiti girl, the, the, uh, the Deidre Ghazari. But um the, the victim that was found the most whole, you know, the least mutilated was Marianne Carr. Uh she was not a prostitute, which kind of went against his MO. Yeah. Um you know, she was dumped by a chain link fence near the New Jersey motel that it, that he had used before. Yeah. So, um but uh she uh you know, I mean, she wasn't uh, you know, she wasn't seven, You know, she wasn't dismembered in any shape, way, form, or fashion. She was still handcuffed. Uh, they found bite marks all over the place. Found slices from you know where he cut on her. Uh, but yeah, she was you know, she, the one thing that he was consistent throughout, though, was strangulate. You know, strangling string, his, his victims. Um, but yeah, it, it it started off with uh, with with Nancy Vogel. I wasn't able to find a whole lot of information about Nancy Vogel.
0: Um, uh the only thing I, I was able to find is uh she was basically coming uh she was with friends, she went to a bingo tournament, she went missing after that, and coming to find out it was just uh they didn't even know what was going on at that point in time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and she was uh she was twenty nine. Um uh, yeah. mother of two. And they found her nude. Well Yeah, they found her nude and I think it was after that one, with the exception of Deidre Um, he had, he would cut off their hands and okay. their heads. So yeah. that way, you know, it was his, in his mind, he was skirting criminal charges because they couldn't identify the bodies.
0: Yeah, because the, the Deidre uh, Guzz- yeah. uh that one, the only reason why they found the, the the first instance they found the bodies on that one it was because he tried to light them on fire, and the fire department found it and found the bodies and everything like that. And they were still able to ID them through X rays. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was a yeah. That was I did see that where they had used X rays to identify a couple of the other ones. But yeah, I mean, he was uh, yeah, he was definitely definitely uh, kind of into it because, uh, like I said, sixty seven was his first year, and then there was that ten year break, and then in seventy seven to eighty. He really, you know, ramped it up.
0: What? What's really? It's not really surprising to me. But the wife was still married, and up until his arrest, he I had think, a wife and kids.
1: Yeah, I. Well, yeah, they're they're. Yeah, um, I think the divorce. I don't. It, I it was seventy nine. Seventy nine was when it filed, and
0: then he was uh, he was arrested in seventy nine, the month of his arrest, May twenty second of nineteen eighty. That's when she filed divorce papers and yeah. everything like that.
1: Yeah, um, and then after that, his family really kind of dropped off the grid. Um, Not that I blame him,
0: but... (laughs) Yeah, something like that happened to me, and I'm like, oh, your dad's the blah? Uh, Yeah. No, I'm going home.
1: I know that um, looking through, uh, like, his convictions, the one for Nancy Vogel, um, and I think there was, like, a litany of some other charges and stuff like that, too. Uh, Yeah. Because they tried him for Nancy Vogel along with his last attempted victim, who was uh, Leslie Ann O'Dell, um, when he was arrested on May 22nd of 80. um, Because she actually got away.
0: Yeah, she got away. She had bite marks.
1: uh, Yeah, he almost bit off one of her nipples. Uh, She she was bound. He had actually taken her. What is the information I found on that here? Um, He... She was soliciting on the corner of Lexington Avenue and 25th Street New York City. Um, She agreed to have sex with him for $100, and around dawn, they checked into the Hasbrook Heights Quality Inn. um, I think that's New Jersey, actually, uh, where he had left his last mutilated victim. Um, He offered to give her a massage. She rolled over on her stomach, and then he drew a knife, put it to her throat, and he snapped on a pair of handcuffs on her. Began torturing her, nearly biting off one of her nipples, and she later testified, you have to take it. The other girls did. You have to take it too. You're a whore and you have to be punished, end quote. Um, And there was a ton of charges. um, uh, Like kidnapping, attempted murder, aggravated assault, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, aggravated sexual assault while armed, aggravated sexual assault while armed, sodomy, aggravated sexual assault while armed Fellatio.
0: I had to look that one up yeah
1: yeah, no um, p- yeah possession of weapon possession of controlled dangerous substances uh and just like you last week I'm you know I'm not yeah it's s e c o b a r b i t a l sorbitual and uh amorbitual and tunil uh, it's you know and uh, basically they're barbiturates yeah. obviously, in um, possession of controlled dangerous substances. he had diazepam and Valium. Um, and those, the, along that, the Odell case, along with the Vogel case, led to his first initial uh, sentencing in 81. They had sentenced him to 173 to 197 years in prison.
0: Yeah, he should have just been...
1: Well, <clears throat> I think, too, a lot of that was around that time, we started seeing more and more people, um, some or more of these civil liberty groups, uh, start to spring up around the country, and they started challenging the death penalty.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think New York was one of those first places that had the death penalty challenged. And in his particular case, I think that the district attorney was really more trying to, you know, not necessarily Pat his numbers, but I think he was wanting to keep them alive, so that way later on, he knew he had all these cold cases out there. And just with the way that um, Nancy Bogle was killed, all these other horrific motor, uh, murders that had the same MO attached to him, he was like, "You know, we'll keep them alive
0: Didn't long enough to try to
1: tie everything it. else." Yeah. yeah. so
0: I can see that. But no, the reason why he actually got arrested is because he used the same hotel. Or motel.
1: Yeah, motel. Yeah, uh,
0: and the murder that was found prior, the uh, staff actually was like, "Oh, we're yeah. they they're they were skittish, and they needed, they called the police after uh, some noise, yeah. yeah, noise complaints. Yeah, noise complaints. Yeah, they like didn't that.
1: recognize them when they came back in with that girl with Odell. Yeah, and it wasn't until she started screaming and it got loud enough to where the hotel staff was like." So, they called the police, and they actually, he was, he had left the room, and was walking down the hall when the, when the police stopped him.
0: Which is really sad, because if he, because most serial killers, they'll do the same M.O. Very rarely do they do, uh, they go out of their box, and I say box, I mean the places where they go, because sometimes they don't want to get caught, yeah. and if actually they do want to get caught they'll keep the same M.O. and they'll go back. Because yeah. a lot of times they want that same endorphin of what they actually got from the original place. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, they may change certain things, but there, there's going to be that strain of familiarity or commonality that it's almost like their calling card.
0: Yeah. And it's... I actually... there There is a YouTube out there, if you can find it, that you have to like click like five different things to even watch it of all the gruesome stuff. They, I, I, I'm not, even, it's that bad. I won't even put it in a link with our video because right. it's just that horrible what he actually did. Because you just see bodies uh, half burnt, you can have bodies that are half burnt. I'm not even gonna put the photos in here because it, it, I work corrections and I've seen some horrible stuff. To the point where uh, there was a guy that uh, wasn't responding, and uh, as I say, responding—I mean, he was being very aggressive, and we—he was trying to kill himself. And what we we're supposed to do, and any time that you're actually trying to kill himself, you're supposed to spray him with uh, CS gas, mm-hmm. and then you go in after that—that's done—and you make sure that he's still alive. Because that, that was our uh, doing that job is keep them alive. Uh, but what had happened was is they sprayed them and apparently he had some kind of flammable... Uh, he had a flame open and the gas is basically oil. Yeah. And it, it was just like a flamethrower and he was just burnt to a crisp. And I still looked at the photos. I like... I got like halfway through that video. It was a four minute video. I got like two minutes into it, and they started showing that stuff. And I'm like, I know that's real people. Yeah. That's what. That's what. It, what it clicked. I, I mean, I watch horror movies and I watch gore and everything like that. But once you realize it's actual real people, your mind clicks on that. And I was just like, oh, mm, mm not, Nope, not today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not today, ISIS, but. Um, and you see our show here, was it, uh, on December 2nd of 79, um, firemen in New York responded to an alarm at a hotel near Times Square, which is where he gets his other nickname. Um, they forced their way inside and put the fire out and they found two corpses. Both bodies had their hands and heads removed and they had been doused with lighter fluid and set fire. Uh, the missing body parts were never found. And and that was another thing too um, with Ghadzari, uh, she was she was twenty two, she was an immigrant from Kuwait. Now, when they say she was an immigrant from Kuwait, her family was actually fleeing Iran, and then they went into Kuwait and then they flew to the U.S. from there. But um, she was working as a prostitute. Um, she she was one. Of the bodies that was died, that was identified, um,
0: and I know the daughter was going in to, to talk to him, and we'll get into the uh, rest of yeah. that. But she just wanted their skull, uh, her mother's skull so she can actually bury it with. Her
1: mother. Well, they had the body to bury, and I think from from the research that I did on Jennifer Weese, which is the daughter's name, she just she wanted some kind of closure. Um,
0: of course, she was. Uh, Think about two, because her parents told us she was adopted when she was four.
1: Yeah, and so, but she she went into it, you know, without going down that road yet. Um, she she had to build up. I mean, she started writing initially, yeah. and she had to build up a lot of forgiveness in her heart too. But you know, before going in there, because she admitted in an interview. Um, that she was really, she just wanted to thrash him. She wanted to, she wanted to do, go in there and just like beat the crap out of him. And um,
0: that's the only thing about having a shorter. Yeah, well, you know, it's <laughs> whatever.
1: 50s. But uh, it's, you know, with that, I mean, she just wanted closure, and she went into it with the mindset of befriending him to get information from him. You know, because she wanted to find out more about her mother. Because, I mean, being two years old, she never, you know, you don't you don't start uh, retaining memories until you're like five. Or three or five, I forget.
0: Uh, three or five, yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, the Deidre, or uh, Dita Ghazari, she was one of the more high-profile ones because that's where, you know, the dismembering really started to take place. And, um... Let me see here. There was another victim on May fifth of nineteen eighty. Police found nineteen year old Valerie Ann Street at a quality inn, um, in Hasbrook Heights. So that Hasbrook Quality Inn, I mean that, that was that was kind of his that was his go to spot. Yeah. You know.
0: I guess it was a cheap motel. Yeah. It, 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 it paid by the hour.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like an inconvenience from from what I was able to see, um, it was more, it was there, but the location was horrible. Like, it was inconvenient even for the hookers that would, you know, that would work up in, in that area. um, And, and you know, so it was relatively secure as far as, like, being able to go in and, you know, stay the night, not have to worry about stray bullets coming in or, you know, John's getting serviced, you yeah, know. Yeah,
0: because that time frame, Times Square, was like a ma- massive, sh- there, uh, who was it? There was a...
1: Well, also being in New Jersey, it was across the river, too. So Yeah.
0: Uh, no, it was uh, uh, um, Rob Zombie. Yeah. And he, when he went there in the 80s, and this is the eighty time frame. This is not the 60s or 70s. This is how bad it was back in, then, uh, back in that time frame. It was like in the 80s, he went down in Times Square and he saw his first murder. Because someone just popped somebody on, out on Times Square. Mm-hmm. New York was not at all the safest place.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was a civilized Wild West, basically.
0: Yeah, more or less. That's where the time frame for, like, uh, 60s to, I want to say about close to the 90s, they had that killing spree to where New York was the worst place other than... I can't even say like uh, a war zone because that's what basically it was. It's almost like uh, Modern day Chicago, yeah. Yeah, south south side of Chicago.
1: Yeah. Um, but with Valerie Street, and they found her at that quality and her hands were tightly handcuffed behind her back. She was covered in bike marks and beaten across the shins. Uh, she died of asphyxiation and traces of adhesive tape were found on her mouth. Um, and... So you know i mean i've got I've got a little bit of information on the next victim, which is that marianne Carr but um and then there's also Gene Rainer. uh let me see here but yeah i mean there's there's just so much information out there about him, and depending on what source you get it from you know it it i mean they they hit it from all different kinds of angles and i don't I don't know why his you know, the, the research done on him was just so diverse. I'm not Maybe it's because he's, like, newer or, you know, whatever. But, you know, and, well, plus, with too, the fact that we also had now with his particular case, they started bringing in the forensic evidences and stuff like that. But
0: Yeah, because they didn't start doing a lot of the uh, profiling of uh, killers until, like, I want to say pro- 60s and 70s. Yeah, they didn't start doing like uh, serial killer profiles. That that was actually the time for. What a lot of people don't understand is a lot of the language that we have right now is from like the 60s to 70s. We didn't have the term serial killer until that time frame, and people actually started figuring out it's like, hey, these these murders have M.O.s, mm-hmm. and they they would just go, oh, he's just a mass murderer, and that's how. It, that's the same term of uh, genocide. Genocide—the word didn't come around until like 1920, yeah—and that was only because of the uh, uh, genocide of the Armenians against the Turks, right? Which is really funny com- uh, coming around. We have YouTube channels now called the Young Turks, and they're totally bashing people and everything like that. And I'm like, they—they they don't. It's, it's like calling themselves the young hitlers yeah and i was like no no well
1: i mean when you break it down anybody you know you get these anti-fascists and you know not to get political but you get these anti-fascist groups that come out and they use physical violence and intimidation to change the viewpoints of people that don't agree with them like don't you see the irony there? That by you doing the exact thing that you rail against that makes you the thing that you hate the most. But they refuse to see it because, for whatever reason, they're, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sheep? Sheeple? Sheeple. Yeah. <laughs> Sheeple.
0: But, uh... I, I lost my train of thought. I well, you know, me. what I,
1: what I found kind of interesting like during his string of murders you know they had all these other cases that they were trying to link somewhere they, they were trying to solve um and we had talked about Jennifer Weiss which is uh, Ghazari's daughter yeah. um he uh through his relationship with her um he, he's she's been getting him to open up, and he admitted to three more murders, um, as a matter of fact, last year. Um, he admitted to killing an additional three women. These were all teenagers, or teen women, uh, 19, you know, 20. Um, J- Jocelyn, Jacqueline Harp of Medland Park, Irene Blas of Bogota, and Denise Falsco of Cloister. Um, he strangled them all in the late 60s. So, you know the 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 nine confirmed that we had to include that Jane Doe, that was found when Gazari was found. But, um, you know, he, he's he's now up to what eleven, so or twelve. He's up to twelve if you count like nine. So yeah, so it's like twelve people during that time span.
0: Did he ever divulge how, uh, where he actually threw the bodies afterwards?
1: No, no, I and. Um, even though that, I, I mean, find that either. yeah, they, let me see here. Um, let me see. There was an exhaustive and extensive search of the police for, you know, I mean, they, they searched rivers. I mean, for all we, you know, for all intents and purposes, he might've drawn, he might've driven outside of his operating area. And just dumped them in a trash can or dumped them in a dumpster in an alleyway somewhere, because the sanitation services then—I mean, all they would do is just go by, pick them up, dump them into their trucks, and then just haul them out to the landfill. And you know, I, I bet if you were to take some, you know, cadaver dogs or whatever out to the landfill, wherever New York City, no New Jersey, what, you're going to find some yeah, you're there. going to find some bodies. I mean, I, you know, they're probably there, you know, but. You know, it's either that or, you know, he just burned them, you know, threw them in a incinerator somewhere, and, you know, the only thing left now is just residual ash.
0: Yeah, because the only job that he actually had throughout this whole uh, uh, killing spree is he was working at uh, uh, New York's uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and he actually chose the Three to eleven PM shifts, so he could actually do his killings in the morning after work at, or after work at night. Yeah, and on the weekends.
1: Yeah, uh, computer, and he worked there from sixty six until nineteen eighty when he was arrested.
0: Yeah, his uh, father got him the job.
1: Yeah, you know, and um,
0: just to show that some serial killers are just basically normal until you actually pu- pull the layers of the onion.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, or you could. Say that, uh, you know, don't mess with people that don't, that, that, you know, people that work in call centers just, they're not right, man, <laughs> you know, but in all seriousness. I
0: worked in a call center. Well, so did I. <laughs> so did I.
1: But in fact, I used to work for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, so.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I'm just messing. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, but yeah, working for Blue Cross Blue Shield in New York uh, from 66 until 80. So, I mean, he, he had been there for. A you know, while, wow. um, and uh, you know, it's just the dig. You know, I mean, I'm sure if we were to take like an entire week, week and a half, two weeks to just devote to this guy and just do the digging and find, we, I mean, we, I'm sure we'd find so many details, you know, but
0: with, I mean, we would have to read the book that was, uh, there's several, like yeah. yeah, there several books, yeah, there's several books about it. I'll, I'll look them up and put them in the uh, details on that one. Yeah, let me
1: see here. Um,
0: Which I actually been actually been forthcoming and actually putting in the details, even though yeah. I have my videos yeah, I put it in the details.
1: Up until Jennifer Weiss started talking to uh, Conningham, you know, he denied any of the murders. Um,
0: oh, he's one of those people too.
1: Yeah, um, even though they found some of the victims' belongings in his home and even had a fingerprint on a pair of handcuffs used to restrain one of the victims, the only thing he ever admitted to was, quote, I have a problem with women. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, but...
0: I couldn't get... I, that was another thing I couldn't find is why he had a problem with women. You know, I, Cause all the all the websites and everything that I went through to get all the information and everything, it didn't divulge... What was his problem with women?
1: Yeah, I couldn't find any of that either. And I mean, I even tried to do, you know, some some digging around as far as like, you know, like the Freudian angle where, you know, it's like, tell me about your mother. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure it had to do with had, some kind of like childhood yeah, had, traumas.
0: Yeah, he had like a perfect uh, uh, family life that we I could tell. Yeah. It was one of those people that he would just spawn Satan and you just got to have to deal with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, something, you know, there had to have been, you know, you would think some kind of just traumatic experience along the way that we're not, you know, we're not privy to, or that somebody just, you know, it may be just as simple as nobody thought to ever devote that kind of time to figuring out why, you know.
0: But. Yeah, I didn't even see any kind of uh, thing like, oh, he used to mutilate animals, he did this, he was this. I mean,. He, he, I even looked at a photo of his uh, wife that got divorced. I mean, even at her old age, she was still somewhat attractive. So he had an attractive wife. He had everything you possibly want out of life. It's just he had these dark urges that he had to freaking get a hold of.
1: Yeah, you know, and you know, and I think. Too, it's like and you you'll even see it nowadays you know um, where somebody will grow up in church you know they' you know they're, they're in the choir or they're on the praise and worship teams or you know they they'll say you know that they believe in the sanctity of marriage or whatever and just they make you know you know they, they start associating with the wrong people or somebody that you know, I mean, somebody says the right thing to them, and next thing you know, they're going down that rabbit hole. And, and then all of a sudden, you've got all these laden narcissistic or codependent or, you know, sadistic, you know, tendencies coming to the surface. And, and it's always that, you know, and, and this guy really kind of exemplifies the whole, he was a nice guy, you know, or, yeah. you know, I would have never seen that coming out of him or her. That, that's the last person I would have expected. They were so nice, you know, and and that fit in with a lot of his, like especially with his last attempted murder uh, uh, or murder attempt with uh, Odell. Um, you know, he took her to a, an all-night diner, bought her a steak, uh, you know, and convinced her, you know, hey, you know, let's, you know, I'll give you some extra money for A, B, and C.
0: Yeah, I just want to figure out. It's like one point. It's like someone in his childhood. who's like, you know what? I'm going to grow up to be a serial killer. What are the things I need to do? And like, you don't see that with this guy.
1: Well, I think too that narcissism and sadism really kind of have a lot of in common. Where you look at your, you know, your stereotypical, you know, sadists, whether they be men or women, it doesn't matter. It's, I mean, it doesn't discriminate. They'll they'll look for the people that are challenging to them, and then they'll, as soon as they use them up, they paint those people as the aggressors and then here they are, the victim, and then they move on to the next. And then, you know, that's where they get their power from. That's where they get their kicks from. Sadists, and, you know, sadists are the, kind of the same way. They look for that challenge and, you know, they, they look for something that's going to give them that thrill, that sense of control. So, you know, I mean, there may have been something going on you know, with his married life or whatever or maybe something to do with his home life when he was growing up where he was never really in control of anything and this is the one, unfortunately, the one thing that made him feel like he was in control. You know, he's like, oh, I'll put my pants on when I'm out doing this crap, you know. And it gave him that sense of release or hey, lack of a better term. I guess you can go with that. But, you know, it, it, it wasn't necessarily, I think unlike with... uh the nurse, I forget her name right now. Uh, Vicki Jackson, Thompson, something oh, like that. Oh, uh, Vixie Don Jackson. Yeah, Vicki Jackson. Where she was just She's a sad. sociopath. Yeah, I mean, she, and she didn't really care to see the world burn. She was, in her mind, she was doing things. She was, she was bringing justice. Yeah. She was bringing that balance. He was more of a psychopath, you know, because he knew that there was consequences involved because he was taking steps to avoid being caught. And,
0: and he know this is is going to be his part time job. Yeah. In, in a sense, and it's and it sucks to think about it that way, but that's that's what some of those people uh, think. It's like, oh, this is my second job. Uh, I have to go kill today? Yeah. <laughs> He's like,
1: yeah, no, man, I'm booked. You know. Yeah.
0: You know, this uh, this weekend. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into town, pick up a hooker, take her to, you know, take her to eat and everything, treat her right, and then I'm gonna bound gag her and just treat her like the trash that she is.
1: You know, I mean, it's either that or he was just a Yankees fan growing up his entire life, and, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, that time from they didn't really win
1: anything. Well, yeah, they didn't start winning anything really until 77. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was it 77? Reggie Jackson, Mr. October? Yeah. You know, I only say that I bring that up because I'm, I'm repping my Red Sox, Red Sox today, yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, go Sox. But, uh, you know, um, you know it, it i mean like with Diedrich azori's daughter jennifer Weiss, i mean you you brought that first article to my attention and then i just started kind of branching out and looking at other source material
0: i mean there's photos of her just like giving him roses you know they're doing mock uh yeah, she, like, photos where of where her she's trying she's to choke where him. yeah
1: she's trying to choke him out you know and yeah. i was like man that's kind of that's a I can appreciate that lovely humor. And,
0: and throughout this whole thing, you're just hearing, hearing that song,
1: best
0: friends. Yeah. I'm like, w- w- no.
1: Yeah, right, you know. You know, but, I mean, she, you know, she, her, you know, like her mom was found alongside that Jane Doe in 79 in that Times Square Motel. Um, she was beheaded, set on fire. They never found her skull. Um, and she, from the... Uh, what did I t- say earlier? It was oxygen.com. That's where I found the article yeah. that I read. Um, she started writing him before finally going to meet him in person. And she was quoted as saying that she had to build up a lot of forgiveness in her heart before going to see him. Um, and she now views him as more of a, quote, father, a father figure. Um, and she wanted to learn more about her mother. You know? And, yeah, even though they've got an unusual relationship, you know, uh, I mean, even least in, need- in, in Connington. Yeah, you even know? in
0: the uh, video that I seen, it was basically to the point where uh, she said, "I was like, well, I don't think I would have been friends with people who wasn't a serial killer. I don't think he, if I ever, I probably would never even talk to him or anything like that." I was like, "I, I wouldn't talk to him now." What? I mean, I don't understand where you're trying to. Yeah, it, it was. It was that I understood where she was coming from first, and then. It still, I was like, if I, if I got the information that I needed from him, I've been out the door. I would never talk to him. I would move. I would like everything I could do in my power where he could not find me ever again, just yeah. in case he got out.
1: It, well, yeah, just in case. But, you know, I, I think that they've built up that rapport. Um, prison officials even stated that since that relationship between the two of them, the friendship and now relationship, not sexual, obviously, uh, um, it, be, as a result of that relationship um, he started to show signs of empathy um, and she's actually told him, I mean because she visits him like frequently, I mean, like there was at one point uh, she visited him like 30 times over the course of like 2 or 3 months um, she helps him do things like figure out how to use his iPad you know, she just comes in
0: iPad? Hey,
1: you know, when you're in prison that long. Of course, or, that is in New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey, New York, yeah. Um, she's taken several pri- you know, pictures with him, like, you know, we went over, and she feels closer to her mother now because of the conversations that she's had with him about her. So, you know, that kind of leads to the, the idea that he knew her prior to, you know, him killing her, and maybe even lead some credence to, you know, to the idea that maybe they had had a relationship, you know, but, you know, prior to, and they because she's even come out and said that she, she thinks that there might be a chance that, that Connington has hit her biological dad, her biological father. They've never taken a paternity test and I don't know that they will. Um, but because, you know, based on what I was able to find, You know, there still wasn't one taken, at least as of the date of that article. But um, she has gotten him to actually confess to other murders. And uh, let me see here.
0: Yeah, because that was the other thing that she was trying to do. She was trying to get closure for a lot of other people.
1: Yeah, and so those those three additional women that that he killed in uh, 69... that he admitted to, that I had mentioned earlier, uh, Jacqueline Harp, Irene Blas, and uh, Denise Falsco. Uh, those were cold cases, and I guess the MO didn't fit. But get, but you know, like with any serial killer that we'll end up talking about, or you know anyone that's been researched in the past, it's usually the beginning. You know, the first killings where there's a bit of disjointedness there, you know, because they're trying to figure out what their niche is, what their calling card's going to be. And while there may have been some similarities between those three women as it relates to the rest of them, they, they, they couldn't tie these together. And so when he admitted to it, he never told them where the bodies were or anything like that. He just says, yeah, you know, I, I admitted to, you know, I, I admit to killing those uh, those girls. And, um, you know, and like the... the uh, that Jane Doe that was found with Guzzari, Um, Helen Sykes, uh, was a, a missing persons case. Um, they, they found her body. She was identified or whatever. or Well, she was never identified, never found, the body was. They were trying to say that that Jane Doe was Helen Sykes, but I think that through DNA testing later on they figured out that it wasn't because that was one of his original charges. He still stuck with that Jane Doe that was found with Guzzari. But they, they've still they've never figured out what was going on with Helen Sykes or who killed her or anything like that, but or even if she's dead, you know. But um you know, there I mean I I, I wanna I think that it's really kind of an interesting thing that Jennifer Weese reached out to him and you know, I mean I understand that she wanted to have some sort of closure. She wanted to learn more about her mom, but the way that that relationship between the two of them really has kind of just taken off a little bit, you know? I mean, now looking at him like he's a father figure, you know, I don't know if that's some I kind just, of, I mean, because you said that she was adopted earlier before we started filming, but you know, it, and I'm like, okay, so there, there wasn't a lack of a father figure in her in her life you know at least it might a consistent just be, one
0: it might just be the Stockholm Syndrome because yeah it's starting to sound more more and more like Stockholm Syndrome once you know your aggressor a little bit more you're confined to uh, sympathizing uh, to them more yeah and in a lot of cases that's the only thing you can come around to it is is that uh, it's not really understanding to me because I've never I never really got that. I've always had that thing it's like, oh this person is bad. I'm gonna have to deal with them and everything like that. But when it comes to it, I can just drop ties really fast. Yeah. Or a lot of people what they do is in, in situations like that is they find some kind of it's like I'm only doing this for this reason, this reason, why I'm keeping this person that is obviously a bad influence. And a lot of people who needs uh, relationships, they have terrible relationships, and they do that. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about Stockholm syndrome is they're not seeing the bad; they're seeing the good, and that's where they're focusing on.
1: Yeah, you know, and. <clears throat> You know how okay so like serial murderers or murderers period. You know usually if they if they target somebody they're you know they're they're you know flushing them out. I know that that's probably a bad term to use, but um, when he was arrested, when the the hotel or motel staff called when they heard um, Odell screaming, they when he was arrested. um He was arrested. He had handcuffs, a leather gag, two slave collars, a switchblade, replica pistols, and a stockpile of prescription pills. So, I mean, that's where all that controlled substances stuff was. But, and he had a trophy room where he kept the personal effects. So, you know, he, he was a collector. So he, I think, you know, you know, it would said that he was a psychopath. And and I think that that really works for him because he he was proud of his work.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: No, but not to the point where he, you know, like the Zodiac Killer, was communicating with the police through through cryptic, you know, one ads or whatever, or mail, where he wanted to get caught. Now, I mean, he, he took steps to, d- deliberately took steps to try to keep from getting caught, you know, like taking hands and heads and, you know, to prevent the bodies from being identified, but...
0: Um, yeah, and I know that stuff doesn't work, yeah, um, and I had uh like four years ago, the same thing happened kind of to me, not i people finding out it's it was the fact that of uh this person had murdered this 18 month old kid, and I had a babysitter took care of her I mean there was times that the mother wouldn't even pick her up for like a week, and I was in contact with the grandmother and everything we were trying to get the baby to the grandmother Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff and uh, come to find out that she was being abused and everything Uh, finally the uh, boyfriend smashed the baby's skull killed her the doctors had to uh, uh, pull the plug because she was just basically brain dead at that point yeah but the mother and boyfriend kept the baby technically on ice for okay, this happened in August and it wasn't until October where we were able allowed to bury the body and she's buried in the pauper's grave. We wanted to bury her in, in an actual graves uh, grave area and everything like that. I mean the grandmother was constant contact and everything. I was literally a, a person that literally clothed her for the last time before she was put in the grave. And their their thing was is uh uh, the mother tried to get uh, get aggressive with me one time. She's like, "I can't believe you tried to stop us from uh, not having uh, to stop uh, to have the baby cremated." It's like, "No, it was you. We we had all the steps. We were willing to cremate the child, uh, the baby, and uh, just to get the stuff over with, so we can stop our grieving, yeah, and we can heal." And she was stopping that. That, oh, to this day, she, she, those people literally had to get out of my life. Or I would have, uh, I don't even know what kind of person I would have been out there after, that,
1: after a while. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, You know, and we could try to go into the, you know, how do we prevent things like that? How do we screen for this? And, I, and honestly, I don't know that there is.
0: No, you can't because, okay, look at, look at even, uh, uh, Our career feels when we're in the military. Yeah. If at any point in time that you went into combat, you had to come back, and you had to go through a uh, a, uh, psychiatrist, and you already knew the answers. Yeah. To keep yourself in the game, into combat, and, and working. You already knew the answers. And most of these people... That do the killings and everything; they already know the answers. Yeah,
1: they're intelligent. I mean, they're yeah. incredibly intelligent, um, and they're very uh, meticulous about you know the the order of things. And you, you just kind of look at them, and you are like, "What if you? What if they had taken that same exuberism, that same energy, and that same?" tenacity that they put towards doing these horrific things and they had actually done something constructive towards, you know. Like trying to cure cancer. Yeah. You know, I mean, where would we be as a society if we'd had A, B, and C? But I think, you know, while we have those really great examples of of just great human beings, you know, throughout course of history, whether it be Madame Curie or or, or even um, Nobel, the, the guy that invented dynamite, you know. I mean, we, you know, or, or even uh, Robert Goddard, you know, the, the, the father basically of, of rocket science, you know. Um, we're going to have that.
0: Or Mother Teresa. Or
1: Mother Teresa, yes. Let's go ahead and throw Mother Teresa in there. Um, you know, we've got those great examples of, of, of humans throughout the course of our history being standouts as far as like being contributors. I just think ultimately it's it's maybe a balanced thing. I'm not I'm not entirely sure, you know, I mean it's kinda like there's really, you know, without sounding too theological on it, I mean it's it's the human race is being fought over, you know, it's a huge spiritual battlefield, you know, between claiming souls for the kingdom of God and claiming souls for hell.
0: It's that one thing it's like how do you know good if you don't know evil?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's that moral code. You know, I mean, you'll, you'll get atheists that, that'll tell you, you know, like, well, you can be a good person without knowing God. Well, true, but what are you what are you basing your, your morality off of? What are you using as the standard? You know, where is that line in the sand, so to speak, that says this is good, this is bad, it's acceptable, not acceptable, this makes me a horrible person, this makes me a good person, you know, are you one of these, I'm just going to be a nihilist and try to write it down the middle, you know, and...
0: But you also have the case like like this guy right here toward, to the point where he knew all the stuff that he sh- uh, he was doing should have been bad because he had... I couldn't find anything that showed that he had a horrible life.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, and I think for him, at first at least, it was just the thrill, you know, the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the kill, and he was keeping those trophies in his house, you know, and you know, and it and it, it really, you know, I, I think, you know, whether it had been maybe because he was going through a separation at the time, and eventually got divorced when he got arrested, but you know, it, I think initially maybe there was something lacking in his life, at least in his in his mind's eye, and he was just looking for that validation and instead of seeking it externally he was looking for an internal source i e himself and so you know like they they say that you know some you know when you do something yourself and you accomplish something you didn't think you could do before you get the most satisfaction out of it i think he just went onto the perverse side of the spectrum for that and just he went down that road and then once he experienced the first kill it really kind of you know i mean it flooded him with all of those good endorphins, you know, I say good endorphins, and it flooded him with all those endorphins, all that, all that adrenaline, and that's just that. That's you know, the very, very few things in the world that that would uh, be comparable to that rush, you know. And it's like, dude, go find something safer and legal to do, like skydiving,
0: yeah. you know,
1: or you know, go base jumping, be a pioneer there, you know. It's like. Come on. Or work out. Yeah, or you just go to work out, you know. And, and like with, with a lot of guys and even women that, that come back from overseas or come back from the military just in general, or even law enforcement, first responders, That they'll use that as their outlet. And, you know, they'll go to the gym, and they'll basically live there. And it's not that that's what becomes the thing that defines them. You know, it's something that they're able to, receive that that personal gratification and, and it's an outlet you know at at a, at a certain point but I think a lot of it is just you know hey I'm doing something to accomplish things for myself and on a very weird you know weird scale I think that with Connington at least his first kills were like I didn't think I could do that and I like the way that it makes me feel there you know where uh, up until he got caught you know with Odell, who just basically ruined the party for him, it he he was getting sloppy because he started I guess maybe started to feel a little bit complacent and that that rush, you know going I, down was going down right with like a drug addict, you know, it's like you know you got to take a higher and higher and higher dose every time you do it to get the same effect because your body's building up that tolerance. Yeah, and I, know, I think
0: I know most drug addicts they once they start. Uh because they'll start up like one pill, and then they'll end up like 16.
1: Yeah, you know, and I think that that was probably another reason why he got caught is that he stepped outside of his M.O. He 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 tried to change things up and to try to achieve that high, that rush, by attacking the one thing that gave it to him from a different angle. Like, okay, I'm going to step up the degree of difficulty here.
0: Yeah, because we don't know... On the other, uh, from the other victims, if he did the same thing he did with his last victim right. that survived. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I'm going to give you a meal. I'm going to treat you right. I'm going to do everything I can possibly can to make you uh, feel that you are in a safe place and I'm just going to crush you down and just ruin it, rain right. fire. Yeah,
1: and, and it kind of, and the thought just occurred to me that maybe like the situation with Odell, Leslie Odell, that. You know, he was trying to make it, you know, make it personal again, you know, which kind of leads back to Guzzari, you know, with the with the, the suspicion or at least the assumption that maybe he knew her prior to, which is why uh, Jennifer Weiss thinks that he, there's a possibility that he's her biological father, is that...
0: I seriously doubt that one.
1: Yeah, I, I do too, but, you know... The, the we, time we,
0: frame doesn't add up. Yeah.
1: It does a little bit, if if you look at the dates, but getting back to that point where, I you know, I think he was trying to make it personal like it was with Ghazari. Like, you know, there was a potential, there was potentially he maybe have had it, at least an association or, you know, some kind of a relationship with Ghazari before he killed her, you know. and And it was like maybe he was trying to recreate that, you know, try to maybe hit that hard reboot button where, you know, okay, Instead of doing things differently, I'm going to try to do things old school, get personal, get them relaxed, and then kill them, you know, just to kind of give him some, hey, I put time into this. So it was really a challenge and like kind of trip his mind into thinking, hey, look, this is this is the way we need to do things now. So had Jennifer Odell, I mean, not Jennifer Odell, uh, Leslie Odell, had she been killed, had she had he not been caught? You know, it has
0: still been going on. Yeah, it,
1: it potentially could still be going on. Um, I mean, play that what-if game all day long. But, you know, I think he was really trying to come back into his M.O. and he was really trying to refine it and trying to complicate it to the point where it would have had investigators chasing their tails for years. You know, and, I mean, I mean yeah, it's a possibility that we could be – Talking about him as a, like a current event, like, hey, well, they just caught this guy and he's been killing people since '69 or '67, but you know, I, I I think that really, you know, he he was just looking to try to like recreate that rush from the initial killings.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. So. But that's.
0: I just I just I can see I can see how that initial rush and everything and just keep on going but could you imagine the thing I was like no I didn't I didn't kill this person in the right maybe if I just do it a little bit different this time and it's a horrible way to think of things but yeah. that that's that's probably their mindset it's like uh, I stabbed him like this maybe if I stabbed had him, him a little hand, bit smoother yeah yeah
1: yeah you know I mean it and in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I trying to equate gaming to serial murders. No, don't, don't take it that
0: way. I was about, I was about and saying something about hunting, too.
1: You know, but it's like, okay, like with gamers, you know, you'll get guys that, that they'll beat the crap out of a game and then they'll try to do it in a speed run. Or, you know, they'll beat the game and then they'll go back and they'll put it on its hardest setting and they'll try to do everything humanly possible throughout the game and then try to figure out ways to beat the program in the game, to beat it a different way. You know, it's like thinking outside the box, but to get that same gratification from something that you really find that you enjoy. And with, you know, with this guy, I mean, I guess, you know, he found found something that he loved, you know. The takeaway is not that he found something that he enjoyed. I mean, it's what he found that he enjoyed. You know, but... You know, I, I, I really think that, you know, there there's, you know, like we said, said earlier, there's really no way that we're going to be able to ever screen for that kind of a thing. Yeah, there's little telltales in personality screenings and stuff like that, but even...
0: Even those you can't really get. Yeah, through. even with
1: profiles that we've had around since the 60s and 70s, they're not definitive. They're not concrete.
0: Yeah, they even did, uh, I can't remember if it was MR, they, they were basically taking a uh, scan of a serial killer and a scan of like a hunter or a person that's seen combat and see if they have any kind of commonalities and everything, see if they can do something with that. Yeah. And they still can't figure out, hey, this area right here is getting uh, flagged as a good thing or the person in the combat, was like, oh, he saw a combat. The only thing they can actually definitely say, and I was like, okay, the endorphins and adrenaline were spiking at this point in time because they were talking about this, this, this. And sometimes those killers don't even have that.
1: Yeah, sometimes. They don't just, even feel anything. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the sociopaths, you know, I mean, they're just completely without remorse. They don't care. You know? And they're just like, I'm doing it just to do it. It's almost like they're bored.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. But I think the the common thread amongst a lot a majority of the serial killers out there, even career criminals, is that for for the most part, they are incredibly intelligent. I mean highly intelligent. And they're they they, they have a, a propensity that's unique to things like problem solving. And you know, so, I mean, they're going to be able to get into all of these different situations and think their way out of them. Look at Ted Bundy. You know, he represented himself. And I think the first time he actually did get off,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, I could be mistaken. You know, I have to do some more research on it. But, you know, he, you know, he, he, he was an intelligent guy. He used his, you know, he used his propensity for gab, you know, his, his gift of speech, to get himself into and out of a lot of situations. You know, up until he made, you know, made a mistake and got caught. You know, I mean, and we hate to say it that way, but it's like, that's what it all boils down to, is that these, you know, these people that are guilty of making, you know, committing these crimes, they just make a mistake. As you sit there and type away.
0: I was looking at the Ted Bunny stuff, uh, no, he escaped He escaped from custody twice. I don't know. I have to divvy in. We'll, we'll go on. Well, on even Ted then, Bundy. that's still you know what? We solved. could probably, we could still go, we can go on Ted Bundy next week.
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do that. I mean, God, you talk about the amount of source material for Ted Bundy alone. Oh, it's just.
0: Even the dating uh, dating show that he was on. Yeah, yeah. One of the, one of the, yeah, uh, the person was like, she came about this close of being murked.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's like, he had, uh, was it like he had a wife in one town and he was always going out of town? Oh, we'll get to the other yeah. One, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, man, you know, but these, these people, that, that they've got such a high degree of intelligence and, and, and propensity for things like problem solving, you know, but it's like, how did you make that connection to doing this as opposed to going over here and doing that? You know, it's like...
0: Well, okay, think about it this way. My, uh, Mike uh, Glover, not to shine anything down on him, or up on him, when he was talking about uh, Green Beret training, Yeah. Uh, he was talking about... Because there's part of their training to where they basically take over a town. Mm-hmm. And it's a yearly thing that people go with lawn chairs and check it out and everything like that. And he couldn't understand... Because he was just basically uh, helping uh, build a, a fence for a chicken coop, and he was putting in uh, uh, pipes to get water to it and everything like that. And he was like, "Why am I doing this?" And then finally, after uh, the farmer says, "Like, hey, you need high, you need high, you need high." Well, basically, it's uh, I can't remember what the uh, getting rapport with the locals. To actually want your help. Yeah. And it's that kind of training and that kind of area. You don't, a lot of people don't look at it that way until you have the problem actually at hand. Yeah. Or robbing a bank. You know, what's the benefit of this? I mean, it's just uh, high quality uh, problem solving and to see if you can get out of that situation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it it just, you know, it's like uh, whenever, I, whenever we were in school, you'd always hear the teachers go, you are smart, but if you would just learn to apply yourself. <laughs> it's like, well, they're applying themselves, they're just not applying themselves properly.
0: Well, I got lucky at times with a lot of my teachers, especially like uh, my English teacher in uh, junior high. Mm-hmm. She literally saw the potential of me actually... Uh, writing, she was like, You could be the greatest writer I've ever seen with the ideas that you have. You just have to get over the hump. And I, I still, to this day, uh, I'll write something. It, it take, and there's a lot of writers that have the same problem I do, as they have to go back, forth, back, and forth. I'm gonna look at JJ, uh, not, uh, what's it, what was his name? The guy that did uh, uh, Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin. Yes, yeah he he was having a conversation with uh Stephen King and uh, George R. R Martin was like how many how many pages do you do today? he's like oh, uh on average probably about five or six and he's like i can't even do one and it's just the difference in that kind of personality and that kind of dedication to their writing yeah
1: like you know if you're you're like Stephen King you'll see him Now that they're going to let fans back in the stands during the regular season, like home games at Fenway, Stephen Stephen King will be sitting his ass right there in those stands, and he'll usually have, like, a laptop or something in there, or he'll bring a book, and he'll read or he'll write while he's sitting at the Red Sox games.
0: You ever hear his band? Stephen King has a band. He has a band. With other writers. Huh. It's like reading his book. It is a horrific thing but but they do it for charity and everything. I mean, it's it's like I didn't know cats I I didn't know people actually want to listen to cats getting, you know, screaming at each other at night or fighting, but people, people Some people,
1: especially people that live in big cities. I mean, that's how they go to sleep, man, you know? So it's just the ambient sound, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, I guess we can uh call this a a day on this one. We'll end this one. And uh, check out our uh, Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. We have the Instagram. We got all the... Well, except for Twitter. I don't want to even get on Twitter anymore. But uh, we got a website for t-shirts and everything like that. If you want to check us out, leave a comment, like, share. If you want to tell us how ugly we are or how horrible we are at doing this, go ahead. It actually benefits us. It's just weird. But I'm David Dickerman. And I'm Johnny Skelton. And this is Psycho's and sociopaths. Thank you for watching.